Good morning and welcome to episode 93 of Speech Therapy Murmurings, a speech memory therapy podcast by me, Chris Way, speech therapist. So, uh, I realise this isn't really a speech therapy podcast in that I I, I, I fire off in random directions uh, quite a lot of the time. Um, yes, I, I, I started to do more, more um, kind of case studies, which I think is quite helpful for me thinking things through outside of supervision. Um, I talk about um, health inequalities, um, educational inequalities. I, um, I I talk about technology and things that interest me. Today I've got a... So we're, we're now back in the in-laws uh, for potentially 10 to 14 days. Um, I love my in-laws, so I, I, I totally love staying there. The only issue is I don't have a bed because um, so it's a three-bed house. Easy Tom and Oshan are on bunk beds and a pull-out bed in the smallest room. Um, me, dear, and Etta are on a double bed. They're about to, trying to they're about to change it to a king size, but as it's double, I ain't squishing in that bed with Etta because she Etta for Etta to fall asleep, she has to hold on to you. Um, and she have to touch you at some point during that to make sure you're there. Um, and no, we've not managed to transition her into a cot yet. Uh, we, we did year, like, ages ago. And now, because of all this movement, I think the consistency for her is the fact that she is actually able to kind of be with us. Um, and, um, and I have no issue with co-sleeping when I've got a, my kind of super king size bed. When I'm in a double, not a chance, because she is irritating as anything uh, when you are trying to sleep and if you don't let her either hold your ear or scratch your back or attack you or whatever if you don't let her do it she will sit up and just shout no no daddy no mommy which sounds hilarious but not at like one o'clock in the morning um so i'm on a couch uh, i've got probably two weeks of sleeping on a couch um and obviously, because I'm on a couch, Dixie, our, our cockapoo, decides to uh, take liberties and try and kind of sleep on my legs. Uh, so it's a constant battle between kind of sleeping on the couch and making sure that um, I manage to get enough sleep in order to go to work because I'm not I'm not running on a on an empty tank. Um, but no, it's, it's a super comfy couch. But last night, after the couch. Um, uh, went to bed at 10-ish, got up at 5, um, this week's been, I've had three days of hell in terms of travel, so this week, um, I've, uh, well, I don't know where I've been, I know that I've covered, when I, so when I bought this car, I was like, oh yeah, I'll do 8 to 10,000 miles a year, sign me up for that car, I, I think I've done about 2,000 miles this week, um, in addition to all the assessments that, that I've cracked up with. So, it's it's been a long week so far. However, um, it's just I'm just, I'm grateful that I just get at the moment um, that I, there's just so much work coming through. Um, it's not it's not positive about the system that we're in, in terms of education, healthcare plans, and statements. However, um, I I have to be grateful that that. I'm able to work as often as I do. I started doing more work through, um, through another organisation, which is really peculiar. So, parents 
um, commission this particular solicitor, who I have no idea who they are. They then go to a third party kind of expert witness directory, and an expert witness directory then gives um, kind of heals up that work. And I've done, I think I've done about 30 assessments for them in the last, I'd say in the last two and a half months. So it's it's interesting because they're, they're, they're all appeals. Um, the parents <coughs> are not aware that <coughs> that, they, that they're supposed to go and buy a middleman um, and it kind of dilutes that kind of direct contact with the family until they get to the appointment. So booking the appointment and sending out my kind of uh, case history form and the, the, the questionnaires, that's difficult because you've got to go by the third party there who sends it to the solicitor, who sends it to the parent, and then no one really chases it. Uh, my PHMA is incredible. Like, she is just so on the ball all the time that when, I've, when you've got someone like Gemma who's on the ball who's dealing with a number of case workers for uh, this middleman, who are then dealing with a number of solicitors for the firm, it just doesn't work. So um, I'm doing the work because I'm more than happy to, to pick up um, work from a different referrer. Um, I just wish the families agreed direct with me because they'll be paying exactly the same, probably more, because someone's taken a two people taking a cup, from what I feel. Um, it just makes it a simpler process um, in terms of just arranging appointments like that. We had, a, we had an appointment arranged for today and they were cancelled, arranged directly with the family on behalf of the middleman and the solicitors and finally all of the parents' number, um, arranged directly, confirmed it last night and then just after confirming it, the solicitor cancelled it um, and said it's no longer needed without telling the family. So you can just see how that just doesn't look good for me because appointments and um, parents have kind of confirmed appointments, I know I've got a long waiting list now, and they get to the top of the waiting list, they go, go forward to the assessment, and then they're supposed to cancel it, which I'm, I'm not sure, this doesn't typically happen. Um, I work with, kind of, I work with everybody at the moment, and I'm becoming more mindful that I want to work with firms and kind of agencies that have the same kind of level of professionalism. Um, my level of professionalism in terms of communication skills is shocking. So if you send me an email, send me a message, um, I very rarely get straight back to you, but that's why I have Gemma, because Gemma manages my emails, um, any voicemails, any WhatsApp, any text messages get forwarded straight up to Gemma, and she just deals with it, she deals with it quickly. Um, <clears throat> and she's efficient, she's put in systems. So anybody that's starting out as an independent therapist and kind of looking at what they need to be spending money on. Having a PA and somebody that is able to manage um, your kind of inquiries, you've got, you've got a very clear system with regards to what happens when the referral comes in, um, what sort of information needs to be sent out, who, who chases that information, um, making sure billing is done, um, you, you can't work for free, unless you're choosing to do pro bono work. And you can't do pro bono work unless you've got an income on top of that. Um, so having a service that provides that is, is fantastic. I'm really privileged in that I'm able to have someone work for me direct and just have them as my employee. Um, I've previously used agencies um, or firms like these virtual PAs. 
they're, they're good. They're not as um, tailored as what I can get if I've got my own person working for me. Um, however, the cost of having my own person working for me um, wouldn't have been possible when I just started, when I was starting out. So um, that's my kind of biggest tip when you set it up. So get, there's, there's, there's currently a, um, I don't know what the official statement is from Royal College Speed Service, but um, what feels like a national shortage and local authorities are uh, reporting this national shortage. And I'm looking at all these independent firms across London who are constantly putting adverts out. And if you're constantly putting adverts out, my question is, are they being filled? And I don't think they're all being filled. Um, and I know we're kind of churning out a, a, a significant number of newly qualified therapists every year, but I know that number is going most likely, I, I, I believe that number is most likely going down. Um, and I also know that probably a high number of therapists retiring and leaving the, leaving the profession as well um, from burnout, etc. So it's, it is very difficult to find a, uh, a speech therapist, whether whether that be one to meet the needs of an education healthcare partner statement, or whether it's to be commissioned directly by a local authority uh, for a piece of work, or by parents for a piece of work. Where I've I've got a small number of social therapists that I trust that I that I will continue to kind of field work with over because I trust them. They're working with my clients and people that I've usually assessed first. Um, and I know that if you're on the edge of working, uh, dipping your toe in doing independent work, um, there's that old adage that if you build it, they will come. And I remember saying this to Ewan Robertson about two years ago when he left his full-time role um, and an employed role. And I, he was like, um, I'm, sh- I'm sure what I'm saying. He was, he was not panicking, but he was apprehensive that he was suddenly working by himself. And I was like, don't worry, build it, they'll come. Build it, they'll come. You, you have a fantastic um, level of specialism. You've got amazing experience. You're one of the top people with an alternative organization communication across the UK. Just build it and they will come. And it was, I, he, he was booked up. I booked up very quickly. And I know that the vast majority of um, independent therapists um, are in the same position. So if you're a therapist that's working for NHS or working for a local authority or charity or school direct and you feel that you want to do a little bit more um, into not a little bit more of the time because you're stretched to hell right now but if you want to change the way you're working a little and you think, you know, well, maybe just do one day a week um, for myself um, or maybe do, maybe go down to part-time or reduce hours, however you do it, um, <clears throat> it there's no worry from uh, from my perspective, that from my understanding of the whole UK kind of demand for speech to therapists, if you build it, if you create a basic website, if you get yourself on social media, so out there on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, if you're out there putting a little bit of content out and people realise you're there, even the most basic thing of putting a note up in the post office, um, posting on local Facebook groups. Um, going to the GP surgery and asking if you can put a um, few cards or leaflets out there. These little things will lead you to being fully booked very, very, very quickly. Um, so I don't know any... It sounds bad, but if you're an independent therapist and you are not fully booked right now, um, message me. 
will have a look at why you are not fully booked because I cannot think of any reason whatsoever why you're not fully booked unless you're rubbish and you're not going to be rubbish. It's not about your physical skills. You're most likely rubbish at marketing yourself, even the most basic level of marketing. But then again, the vast majority of independent therapists I do, that I know don't do any marketing whatsoever because they don't need it. They had one, one family. That family recommended their friends. They recommended their friends. And if you're linked within something like a specialist setting or, um, or even with mainstream schools, if you get linked within a school, so not employed by them, but people know or be your services, you will become fully booked very quickly. Because if you imagine if you attach yourself to a specialist setting, um, <clears throat> such as working with autistic kids, and you see one family, the high likelihood is that family is going to speak to their friends in the playground or in a parent Facebook group that you can't get into. Or, and it's going to spread like wildfire. Um, so... Just make sure you are hot on your clinical skills and your evidence-based practice and you're hot on how you communicate with the families that are working with you. Because <clears throat> if you're not, that bad news spreads fast. Um, so this was this is more of a kind of dipping your toe into independent practice type podcast today. Um, if you are having any issues, just literally send me a direct message email me, leave me a voice note on this podcast and I will 100% get back to you. I've got a lot of miles to get to before Christmas. I think I'm taking two or three weeks off before Christmas and, and therefore what Gemma did is she absolutely jam-packed everything up to that point and that way she knows from a financial perspective where we're okay up through, um, up through taking all that time off and also it means that I... And able to meet the demands up to that point. And I know that I get a lot of families um, that do come over from the Middle East during the Christmas period that usually are kind of asking if they can if they can be seen. Previously, I would have done that. Um, maybe done an appointment here and there. Um, I've stopped doing it. I need to put my own family first. Um, this will be our first Christmas in our new house. Um, and yeah, so we we just I, I need we need to protect that time. So therefore. I'll be booked up all the, way, all the way up to Christmas. But when I'm booked up, it means that I have three, four hours every single day of the week, pretty much, each way, <clears throat> getting to a point and back. Right, I uh, hope everybody has an amazing Friday. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye.